Today I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also, also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead did not rise. For if the dead did not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If only... If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. Before you see it. Lord, we do honor your word. We count it a privilege. Lord, to be sons and daughters of the King. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us of this glorious word. Father, you didn't leave us as orphans, but you gave us your word that we might have instruction. And so, Lord, we humbly bow ourselves to your word. We acknowledge your lordship. And Father, I pray that as I speak, none of me and all of you touch the hearts of the people. Bring life bring hope, bring love, bring joy, bring inspiration. Jesus, be exalted at this moment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is the third part of our series, and we have been preaching on hope. The title of this series has been Discover Hope. And in recent weeks, we have really dealt with the fact that any hope that is outside of Jesus Christ is not real and lasting hope. There are many different religions today. Uh, And many of those religions, they have somewhat of a humanistic kind of way of thinking. And what I mean by that is, Uh, These religions are kind of based in man trying to somehow get to God by his own merits. But we, you and I know who are believers that Christianity is more about God coming to us. I want to ask you a question this morning as we go into this sermon. Because, you know, there are many people that will say today that there are many roads to heaven. How many of you have heard that? They say there's many roads to heaven. It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love people and you respect people. And it's really good that we love people, respect people. And the Bible teaches us to do that. But how many know that flies in the face of what what Christ said? Because Christ made some pretty radical statements. Either he was a lunatic or either he was savior. And I suggest to you that he was the latter. Because Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come into the Father except through me. Now, 
some people hearing that, that's a tough pill to swallow. Because the natural instinct is to say, well, why do you, why do you say that your God is better than my, my God? What, what, I mean, how come you're being kind of a, a bigot when you say that only my God um, or my Lord is the only way to get to heaven? Or your Christ is the only way to get to heaven? And so people stumble upon that because society teaches you that, that hey, just, just love everybody, be good, and you'll get to heaven. It's a, it's a noble gesture. It sounds really, really nice on the surface. But I love you too much to leave you there. And we cannot leave you there because Jesus Christ, and I'm going to make a radical statement this morning. This message is going to be radical. Jesus Christ is supreme above all things. When people say to you, let's say to you believers out there, what makes your Jesus different? Why do, why do I need to serve your Jesus? I mean, I got my own God. I got my own religion. I have my own way of doing things. What really makes your Jesus any different? It's a pretty good reasonable question, right? I want to say to you, it's the resurrection. The resurrection. The resurrection is the capstone of our faith, and it puts Christianity above every other so-called faith or religion today. Because the grave could not hold him. I woke up the other day, and I was in the hotel room, and, uh, and I saw that somebody, once again, they were attacking the, the resurrection, the validity of Christ. I mean, you, you hear a lot of that this time of year. And they were just, and it was just agnostic. You know, the agnostic is a person that kind of doubts things that, you know, they don't really believe anybody have the absolute truth. And they're just kind of out there. And, and he was saying some things that was really trying to poison the water a little bit or to make you doubt whether or not Christ really did rise again from the dead. And so he was saying all of these things and, 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 and just really just, uh, I don't know where he was getting them from, but obviously he was clearly ignoring history. He was clearly ignoring the Bible because the resurrection is a historical fact. Hundreds of thousands of people every year go to Israel and they look into the space or where they believe Jesus was buried. And how do we know that tomb is empty? Amen. He's not there. He is risen. Because what is the one thing that men fear the most? Death. Death. The one thing that you fear the most, the reason why you won't do some things is because you fear death. But Jesus conquered death. He defeated death so that you and I can have life and we can know with confidence that our God is true and he is the king of glory. Now, what is the, why, why do I, what makes me so confident in the resurrection? Well, a couple of things I just want to share with you. First of all, if you read the scriptures, Jesus predicted his own resurrection. He told the disciples, he said, I'm going to die and after three days, I'm going to come back up. Now, how many of you can make that claim? Jesus says, I laid down my own life. Nobody take it from me. You see, they thought they were killing him. You know, they thought when they hung him on the cross, right? They thought that this was, oh, we got him. 
we're going to finally shut them up. But they did not understand that the Bible says in Isaiah that it pleased the father to bruise him. In other words, when Jesus hung on that cross, listen, it had nothing to do with the Pharisees and, the, and, the, and, and, and all of those, the, the authority of that day. It had everything to do with God's divine plan. God hung him up on the cross because he wanted to. You know why? Because he had you and me in mind. And if you read the accounts of the scripture, there were some folks that were even saying they walked by. They said, come down from the cross. I mean, if you're really the son of God, won't you get down from, won't you come down from there? And, and thank God he didn't come down because he rose again from the dead. He demonstrated his power over death. Second point, he made numerous appearances to his followers. Well, you can say, well, well, well Pastor Gary, I mean, there are other people that, you know, surely there could be some crazy people that can conspire and make up things. But how about 500? I would say that's a bit of, that's a bit, bit of a stretch. 500 people saw him all at once. How many know it's hard to get two people to agree on anything? You know, you know how it is. You got a husband, you got a spouse or wife or whatever. You know how hard it is just to get you to agree. You're going to get 500 people that are going to make this big mass conspiracy. But not only that, the growth of the Christian church confirms his resurrection. All over the world, this gospel is being preached. Even at this moment, people are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, do you think that just kind of happened? It's because he did rise again from the dead. Another reason why I have strong confidence in the resurrection is because he changed me. How do you know what I'm talking about? See, that's when you, that was your chance to say amen to you Christians. That he changed me. I, I know what I was. The Bible says that they overcame by the word of their testimony. I, I knew where I was and I did not believe that, that God could change a person like me. I was very, very stubborn in my own right. I didn't, I'm not a, a gullible person. I don't just believe anything. Never have. If you come tell me the sky is blue, I might take a double look just to make sure that the sky really is blue. And there were things in my life, and I said I can never be a believer because, because I can't live that kind of life. I cannot do it. Did you know God never intended you to live the Christian life? In your own strength. He changed my life. He changed my desires. He, he changed my taste. He changed my passion in life. And now he is the very reason that I live. But not only me. Millions of people have been impacted by Jesus Christ. Because he got up from the grave. It's all about Jesus coming to earth, God coming, Emmanuel, to redeem us. Now, let's brag about Jesus. Can we brag about Jesus just a little bit? Do y'all like to brag about Jesus? All right, let's brag about Jesus. Look at Romans chapter number four, verse 23. Let's talk about the supremacy of Christ a little bit. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look on the screen. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to read it. Romans chapter number four, verses 23 to 25. Now it was 
not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, talking about Jesus and the sins that were imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Now watch verse 25. Watch this. Who was delivered up because of our offenses. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Come on, talk to me. Because of what? Our offenses. And he was raised because, because of our justification. So here we see that the resurrection is directly connected to our eternal life. To our being raised from the dead. Jesus was hung up on the cross and he, was, he died for our sins. Secondly, Christ fulfilled the law. Turn with me to Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2. Got a few scriptures we're going to read this morning because I want you to see it in the word this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, are you there? And you being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh. Watch this. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of a couple of your trespasses. Is that what that say? Oh, thank you. Y'all reading with me. How many of our trespasses? All of our trespasses. Watch this now. Having wiped out. The handwriting of requirements. Now, understand, God had a law. The problem with the human, the human flesh is that we cannot fulfill God's law because of the sin that is in us. And so what God did in his infinite wisdom, he sent his son, watch this, and he wiped out the handwriting of the requirement. How did he wipe them out? Jesus fulfilled what we could not fulfill. He paid our sin debt. You had a debt that you could not pay, but Jesus paid it. So he wiped it out, the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I love this verse because when Jesus died, he know, he died publicly. It was as if God was saying that I want you to see this sacrifice that I'm hanging on the cross so that you can know. That when I raise him back up again, that you will have the victory, all those who believe in him. And the Bible says, I love this verse because it says in verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. How do we know that we are triumphant today? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Nobody can brag or boast about their salvation. You know, some people think that. They, they live a little bit in God and they somehow think that they, they earn the right. You can't earn this. You can't do enough to get this. He, he, he fulfilled the requirement. Understand that God is a holy God. God cannot look on sin and, and sin has to be dealt with. Jesus, he paid our sin debt. Next point. He is the propitiation for our sins. First John chapter 2, 2. That word propitiation means he is the payment. He atoned for our sin. And look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses four, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 14. For by one offering he perfected us forever. 
Hebrews 10.14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 18. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Now let me kind of give you a backdrop of that. Because how many of you are familiar with how they used to sacrifice for sin in the Old Testament? See, before Jesus came, what the Israelites would do, because God gave his law to them, is that whenever somebody sinned, that he would bring, the people had to bring a bull, a goat, a turtle, or whatever it was, in order to atone for their sin. So what they would do is they would come to the priest. And the priest would do the administration in, in terms of atoning for their sin. Now understand something. The blood of bulls and goats could never, ever take away our sin. Understand that. All, all that the blood of bulls and goats could do is put a patch on it. And so what they would do, when they sinned, they would bring a turtle dove, they would bring these animals, and then they would sacrifice them. They would sacrifice the animals and cover their sin. But then there was a problem. Because every time they kept, you know, they kept sinning, so they would have to keep coming back. But not only that, the priests in the Old Testament, that the ones that were doing the administrating, offering the sacrifices, they had to sacrifice for themselves. You know why? Because they were sinners. And so year after year, day after day, they were constantly sacrificing these animals, you know, trying to cover for our sin. But that was only a foreshadowing. It was only a, a, just a, a, a copy of what was really going to come about. Because when Jesus came, now watch this. When Jesus came, there was no longer any more reason to offer the sacrifice of, of bulls and goats. Because the Bible says that Jesus once and for all offered up himself. Why? Because he's perfect. He's holy. He is sinless. There is no sin in him. So he was qualified to take our sin. And so when Jesus came, this is, this is beautiful. When Jesus came, he was offered up for our sins once and for all. There remains no more sacrifice. So thank God. Aren't you glad you don't have to go out there and kill some animals? To cover up for your sin. Think about how bloody and how nasty that, that, that would be. I'm like, Lord, thank you. I don't have to get bull. I don't like them anyway. I would be like struggling with that. But Jesus offered up himself. Watch this. Once and for all. We're talking about the supremacy of Christ. Now watch this. Now, now, he offered up himself once and for all. And I like this verse in verse 14. For by one offering he perfected. That, oh, glory to God. That means he made us perfect forever, those who are being set, apart, being set apart or sanctified. So guess what? So now that you have received Christ, now the only way you're going to get this is you got to know Jesus. You got to know him. So when you know Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you are set apart, you are sanctified, made perfect, not just for a little while, but forever. Why? Because Jesus offered up himself and he was qualified to do it. And because of his offering, now we are forever perfect in God's eyes. Now you say, well, pastor, yeah, how is that? Yeah, but yeah, from a practical standpoint, how many know you still, you still struggle a little bit? But positionally, positionally, you have been sanctified. That means you have been perf perfected. You have been made holy. Look at the name and say, I'm holy. Now, I know sometimes you don't feel holy, but the Bible says that you are holy. If you're in Christ, watch this, you are holy. Now, this is good news. 
Because every other religion tells you you got to do 15 steps here, 25 steps there. But all you got to do to get this is belief. He paid the price. He did it all. He paid your sin debt. You don't have to try to please God. You don't have to try to go through all the stuff. All you need to do is just say, Lord, I give my life to you. And guess what? And, and, and the Bible says in another place that he ever lives. He, he intercedes for us on a regular basis. That's why he's able to perfect us every day. So every time you mess up with God, God is not going, okay, okay, brother Edwin, it's over today. You just, you just some, don't even come to me and ask for forgiveness. Don't even come my way. No, no, no. He, he is able because if he called me, he's the one that will save me. Now, how many of you feel inspired to want to serve God more? That makes you want to love him more. I don't understand this kind of religion where people think that, that God make them right, that they can just kind of just live their life any old kind of way. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, how, why would you want to be in bondage to the very thing God set you free from? It's good to be free. I mean, I love not having to be a slave to sin. Come on. I love having to be, you know, having to be free and not having to be a slave to sin. And so, so by one offering, he offered up himself. Now watch this. I'm talking about Jesus. Turn with me to Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Now we're still tying this to the resurrection because what I want you to understand, I want you to see who this Jesus is. Because what you will discover is that many people will always try to minimize Christ. You know, they will try to say that Christ is just another teacher. How many of you have heard that? He's just another good man. He's just another good teacher. Uh, Jesus, the Bible doesn't declare that at all. We're going to show you right now that he's much, much more than that. And if you already read your Bible, you already know this. It's just confirmation. Philippians chapter number two, verses nine through 11. Watch this. Therefore, God has, watch this, highly exalted him, highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above what? Every name. Now, now understand what God is doing here, because when God raised Jesus from the dead, it was God's validation that this is my sacrifice in whom I'm well pleased. That's what was taking place. When Jesus got up from the grave, God was validating, this is my son, hear him. The Bible says that he has a name that is above every name. Did you hear that? Well, okay, let me put it to you in these terms. It's, it's above Muhammad. It's above Buddha, Confucius, you know, any other so-called God. He said his name is above every name. But he takes it a step further. Just in case folks are confused and want to try to minimize Jesus, because people try to do that. Watch this. He takes it even further. I love this. He says, in verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Watch this. Those in heaven and, on, and those on the earth and of those under the earth. Now watch this. He even takes it further than that. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guess what? Take the most rebellious person who says, I'm not going to serve God. I ain't going to have nothing. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm here to tell you that one day they're going to have to bow the knee. The Bible says every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. Don't matter. Well, well I don't believe what you believe. Don't matter. 
Because if you believe the scripture, how many you believe his word? The word said that every knee is going to bow to him. It doesn't matter. Every knee is going to bow to him. And watch this. He says, and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're going to confess it whether you want, whether you, whether you want to or not. How many you know that Jesus is awesome? He is more than just a man. He is, look, listen, he is, he is not just a teacher. See, this is why the resurrection is so important. Because it says much, much more than, than just Jesus was some casual person who just kind of walked the face of the earth one day, did some good things, and left. No, 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 no. No, he, he, he's, he's much, much more than that. And, and folks got to come to terms with, with what Jesus said concerning himself. Because he says in one place, when uh, I don't have time to read it, but if you look in uh, uh, the Gospel of John, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and, and, and uh, Lazarus had been dead for how many days? Three, four days. And, uh, and, and Jesus came and said, said, move away the tomb. And some folks didn't believe that Jesus can raise, he could get Lazarus up from the dead. And Jesus looked at him. And he said, you need to understand something. I am the resurrection. <laughs> he says, I am. I am the source of life. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will never die. That's good news. So you're talking about hope. Now, people putting their hope in everything, and boy, they're just skirting around Jesus. They're trying to figure out a way to, 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 to live life and be happy without Jesus, and it don't work. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am life. I'm the very thing that you have been looking for, and you will never find satisfaction without me. That'll preach. Never. How many of you will say that since I got saved, I'm satisfied? Amen. My soul is full. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 6, 4. Watch this. Look at Romans 6, 4. For all of you who gave your life to Christ, watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, he's talking about we, talking about we meaning Christians. We were buried with him through baptism into his death. That just as Christ was raised, watch this, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Do you not know that when you gave your life to Jesus, if you gave your life to Jesus, that you supposedly died to yourself? He says, when you've been baptized into Christ, you've been baptized into his death. And just like D, Jesus died once, and you know how he died and he rose again. When you and I come to Jesus, what happened at that moment? We're saying, Lord, I'm dying to myself. See, that's, that's the basics of Christianity. And a lot of people don't really get there. A lot of people say they know God, they love God, but it's much, much more. How I many know being saved is much, much more than saying I'm a Christian? It's much, much more than just saying, well, you know what? I know God. I go to church every now and then. No, no, no. This, this is a radical shift. This thing will change your entire life because when you come to Jesus, here, here's the thing. You're saying, I'm dying to myself. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live a whole new life now. And how am I going to discover what that life is? I got to get in his word. I got to get to know him because I'm dying to myself. And so as Christ 
rose again from the dead, so we die. In a figuratively sense, we die, but also in a realistic sense, how many know that one day we're going to get up from the grave? If you die before Christ come back, you're going to get up out of the grave. The grave will not hold you. You hear me? Oh, death has no, where is your sting? It has no power over you. You know why? Because death has no power over Christ. He defeated death. So why are you worried about what people are going to do to you? Well, I ain't going to preach the gospel over there because them people might kill me. It's dangerous. I can say that about a couple places in D.C. I mean, I really have to pray hard. <laughs> and Lord, I'm being challenged here. Lord, go out there. <laughs> but see, when you really get saved, you just don't care. You walk up in anywhere. You walk up in anywhere. You know why? I don't have to fear death because it's been defeated. I have eternal life. The Bible says, he that believes in me pass from death into life. And so, let's go back to our foundational text. Now, understand. So, we understand that Christ is much, much more than just a man, right? We understand that he's Savior. We understand that he's Lord. We understand that what separates Christianity from every other religion is the resurrection. That's why you hear a lot of people always trying to discredit the resurrection. And you need to vigorously defend that because if there's no resurrection, your whole faith is useless. That's how deep this is. And here what you find in the Corinthian church in the scripture that Callista read earlier is that there were folks in the Corinthian church. They were, they had some questions about, well, there ain't really no resurrection. You know, the Greeks, they, they had some kind of weird thinking that it was all spiritual. Anything was, you know that had kind of a physical, material thing, it wasn't going to rise again. But Jesus, Paul had to make a point, and he had to, he had to kind of talk to them and let them know that, wait, 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 wait a minute, why are some of y'all walking around here talking about there is no resurrection from the dead? In other words, what happened? Why, why are you, how do you allow yourself to go there after what I've taught you? Now watch this. Paul, let's look at 1 Corinthians again, uh, chapter 15. And what I would like for all of us to do, we're going to do something uh, different this morning, because I just feel like doing this. Is that okay? Amen. All right. I got a couple people with me. Good. I take the two. Hallelujah. Now, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. Now, what I would like for us to do is read it nice and loud. Now, in order for, now some of us got... Uh, different versions of the Bible. So what I want us to do is look up on the screen if we can. Okay? And I want all of us to read it together. You ready? Are you ready? Yes. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. Keep going. If we in this life only, we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable. Verse 20. 
But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who has fallen asleep. Now, now let's listen. Let's let's examine what Paul said here. Here's Paul's argument. Paul says, if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Now, now remember, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the importance of the resurrection. And this is something that we talk about on, some, on Easter Sunday. We talk about we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is absolutely critical that we understand this. And, and we got to be discerning enough to know when the enemy will try to use this against us to try to devalue our faith. Because if they can somehow prove, there have been many books. I read, you know, you go Google it online, uh, whether or not Christ rose again from the dead. You will see all kinds of stuff. But, but, but remember, this is the thing that set us apart. This is what made Christianity above every other religion. And Paul said this. He said, now, he said, if, if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, he said, the first thing is, he says, the apostles' teaching are useless and false. I mean, all the doctrine that the apostles taught. How I many know they gave their life for this? Some of those guys were boiled. They was beaten. They gave, I mean, they, once they got a revelation of this, they gave everything. And the Bible says that Christ did not rise again from the dead, that all of the teaching, in other words, all of those Saturdays and during the week I studied the word and dive all those hours you put into the word of God and all the preaching you hear on the TV. If Christ did not get up from the grave, then he's saying it's useless. Don't mean a thing. If, if Christ did not rise again from the dead. He said, if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, then our faith is empty. Our faith is no better than any other humanistic idea. How do you know men are always creating religions? <laughs> Every time we turn around, somebody always want to create some way to God. He says, our faith is empty. It's no, it's no better than anybody else. If Christ did not rise again from the dead. Now, he had to share this with the Corinthians because they were kind of like falling into this slump where they were just kind of lax and they didn't really believe that Christ rose again from the dead. And if you don't really believe Christ rose again from the dead, then you got to really question whether or not you know him. Because this, this, is, this is the most important aspect of our faith. He says, if, the, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, he said, if the dead are not raised, then Christ isn't. Why is that? Because our hope is tied directly to Christ and his resurrection. The fourth point, he says that we are all liars. In other words, we've been lying to people. He said, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, Paul said, we've been just, we're all liars. We've been telling people they can be free. They can go and live their life and do whatever they want to do. He says, we're liars. We're deceiving. And we're not telling people the truth. If Christ did not rise again from the dead, you're a liar, the Bible says. Now, you see, now is Paul making a point? Do you understand? Yeah. Now, he's driving. This is some very, very strong language. Now, if Christ, look at the name and say if, but we know he did. Amen. All right, so we just want to make sure, just in case somebody fell asleep and woke up. <laughs> so what pastor teaching? <laughs> he says, if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, you're still in your sins. You are still in your sin. Remember, Christ died. When he, when he died, he buried our sin. When he rose, he took away our sins. He didn't cover our sins. Christ didn't cover it. He took them away. But if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, Paul says, then you are still in your sin. You've got no hope. In fact, he says, and I think in verse 32 in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians, he says this. If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. 
How many know that's how a lot of people live today, don't they? That's why you wonder why sinners, and I always get amazed, people get, people get bothered about people that sin. Well, why, you know, how many know sinners sin? That's what they do, because they're blind. They don't know the truth. And so our job is to enlighten them with the gospel, with the truth. Instead of always complaining about stuff, we need to say, use every opportunity. Look at the neighbor and say, platform. Use the platform that God gives you to preach the gospel. Come on. He said, you're still in your sins. He said, eat and drink because you're going to die. In other words, if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, just go ahead and just party. Just have all the immoral acts. You know that truck you, know that truck you saw parked outside the, the bank? They got that, what's that big, big old red truck, all that cash? Go ahead and try to get it. Go for it. If Christ didn't rise again from the yeah, that's right. <laughs> he said, yeah, right. <laughs> if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, Paul is saying, look, go do whatever your flesh want to do. Because you're going to die anyway in the house some people live. Because they're lost. He said, if Christ didn't rise again from the dead, watch this. He says, we are men most pitiful. He said, we are in some bad shape. You know, we, are, we call ourselves believers, and we pre, you know, people look at us, and they can say, man, those people, they're just lost. They're deceived. You know, some people actually believe that now. But they got another thing coming because he did rise again from the dead. And how many know we're going to have the last laugh? Oh, hallelujah. Because we got the victory. Oh, because he rose again from the dead. Guess what, Brother Edwin? I rise again from the dead. I'm risen. So you got to, so look, you got to walk in resurrection power. You know what it means to walk in resurrection power? I mean, you don't walk the same way. You walk with faith. You walk with confidence. You walk with a boldness. Because the same power that got Jesus up out of the grave is residing right inside of you. So you got to act like a child of the resurrection. See, stop living, stop going back to the weak and beggarly things that keep putting you into bondage and get connected to Jesus and start walking and start acting like, you know, you know, you know, when your kids act up, when they don't act right, you say, well, where you learn that from? I didn't teach you that. You know, we got this little thing in the Baylor household that we say, no, that, that's not a Bailey thing right there. And I tease my wife sometimes. I said, that's a Clark thing because my wife's maiden name is Clark. So I said, don't tell her that. I just said, shh. Uh, we'll edit that part of the tape. But. <laughs> you know, but we just need we need to walk in resurrection life. We need to walk like we know. You know, when we talk about walking in resurrection life. You know, when you walk in resurrection life, what happened? People see hope. They see hope because they see you. They see you and they say, how can you have that kind of peace and that kind of joy? And how can you still walk with faith and confidence? All the stuff that you're going through, how can you do it? Because my hope ain't in this world. Never was. You got to see, listen, you got to have a perspective on eternity. When you got an eternal perspective, I know I can't die. You, you, know, you know the Bible says, he who believes in me hath eternal life. Not going to get it. You have it now. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. If I die today, you know where I'm going? Right to be with him. And I see y'all later. Now, I know y'all said, please, Pastor, stay. Okay, I'll stay because I know y'all begging me to stay. <laughs> Careful. All right. <laughs> now, now, here's the best part. Now, so, so, now, so Christ was making a point. Paul was, Paul was making a point. If Christ didn't rise again from the dead, we, our faith is empty. We don't have anything. Throughout, I mean, this whole thing is a host. But look at verse number 20. 
But Christ is risen from the dead and has become, watch this, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or of those who have died. Now, the first fruits was a grain from the harvest field that was symbolic of what was to come. Now, for you Bible scholars out there, because I know some of y'all just love to read the Bible, and the Bible says that he eats the first fruits. It, was there somebody else that died that we know about in Scripture before Jesus and that was rose, that rose again? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. You remember Lazarus? Was he not dead? Did Jesus, raise, did Jesus get him up out of the grave? Jarius? She dead? Jesus came, he healed her, he rose, she rose from the dead. In the Old Testament, was it Elijah who healed the little, uh, the woman, the woman of the seraphim, whoever, the, the, she had a little boy, I forget. But he raised, so what was the scripture saying when it says that Christ is the first fruits? Well, the difference is, thank you. They died to die again. But see, Christ died to die no more. <laughs> he rise, listen. He rose to the power of an indestructible life. Now, the Bible says he is the first fruits. That means that we who believe in him, we're coming right after him. That means when we die, guess what? We're never, ever going to die again. See, that's why you got to have an eternal perspective. That's where hope is. See, that's where hope, hope is not what you see with your naked eye. Jesus is the first fruits. Of them that die. In other words, I know if Jesus rose again and he's living forever, I'm going to rise again and I'm living forever. Now turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and close. This is a perfect way to close hope. Our hope series. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. How many got some loved ones you want to see again? That's died? How many got loved ones you know that they are believers and they died? This is our hope. This is our hope. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. Here's what he said in verse 13. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. That's how that's interpreted. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. How I many you know we don't sorrow like other people who have no hope? See we, don't, we, see, we know where our hope is. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, watch this, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. Watch this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This is, this is, I like that with a shout. That means you're going to hear it. <laughs> with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Watch this. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So here's, here's what the apostle is saying. 
if you got a relative who died and they knew Jesus, God is making a promise. You will see them again. Now, this is why it's so important that you share the gospel with your loved ones, with your friends. Because so often, here's what we do. We think, okay, I'm in heaven. I'm saved. Then you got to get yours. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. If you really love somebody, if you really care, you will make sure you figure out a way to share the gospel with them. Why? Because the Bible says that, watch this, the Bible says that, that Jesus, before he come back to get us, if we're still here. And I, I wonder about that. I mean, the Bible says, you know, most of us, more than likely, it's a chance that, that we will probably die and meet the Lord. But there's also a chance that Jesus can come back today. And the Bible says if we, if we hear when Jesus come back, we'll just be caught up. In other words, I'm standing here and I'm gone. And then if you say you're going to be with me, but if you stand back asking questions, something wrong. If you smell the fumes, and I, I say that not, not in a funny way, I'm just being honest. Because this is serious business. He said that those who die in Jesus, they will rise again. He's going to bring them back when he comes. And if we're still here who are believers, you're going to be caught up with him to meet him up in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you are going to forever be with the Lord. But if you're listening here this morning and you can't say, Pastor, I don't know where I go when I die. Then you need to make a decision today. Here's the thing. You never know what a day may hold. Young people, old people, doesn't matter. We think that you, th- you, you walk out of, this, out of this door, you just heard the truth. You just heard the gospel message. We automatically assume that I got a lot of time. You know, I can, I, I, can, I can do this at another time when it's more convenient for me. You can walk out of here and have a heart attack right before you hit that semen. And your life could be radically changed if you live through it. The Bible says in Revelation 2015, anyone not found written, in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Now, we don't like to talk like that. How many know that there are a lot of churches and a lot of people don't want to talk about the lake of fire? But if you really love people, you tell them the truth, right? You don't lie to people. If you walk out of this building today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you die today not knowing Jesus, your destination will be eternal damnation forever. I didn't see it. That's what the scripture says. And so people ask the question, what's taking Jesus so long? Y'all been preaching Jesus is going to come back. What's taking him so long? Because the Bible says that he is not willing that any should perish, but it all come to a knowledge of the truth because he loves you. He loves you. He rose again from the dead to give you hope beyond this world. You ought to know by now. I believe that you're here this morning because you've already realized that this world don't have what I need. It, it lets me down. Every time I drive to the gas pump, <sighs> lets me down. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm just let, I mean, every time I turn, <sighs> every time you turn the TV on, it sees, <sighs> I'm just let down. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, everywhere I go, <sighs> and it's just a constant reminder. Stop hoping in this world. What are you doing? What are you doing? Keep your eyes on him. Give your life 
to Jesus. He died and rose again so that you can have life. And you don't ever have to walk wondering whether or not God loves me, whether or not he's going to accept me. He, you know, well, Pastor, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean my life up first. And when I clean my life up, then I'll give my life to Jesus. Don't work. You can't clean yourself up. You know how you come to him? You come to him as you are, and then he cleans you up. Amen. You're tracking with it. He'll clean you up. He'll wash you of your sin. He'll give you a new hope. He'll give you a new life. He'll set you on a course for real success that will last forever. How many of you like the sound of eternal bliss? That's what it would be like. That, 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 that they won't, listen, in heaven, there's no high gas prices. Somebody said, good Lord, hallelujah. There ain't no mortgage payments. You ain't going to be sitting around wondering, how am I going to pay the electric bill? Because he is our light. Amen. And he's going to tabernacle right there, and his glory is going to light up the place. You don't have to worry about light. So why won't you turn to Jesus? And put your hope in him. Put your hope in Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. So that you would not have to ever face God without some kind of covering for your sin. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.